whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't go to the next episode just yet. I know that the new music is probably throwing you off, but I thought new year, new intro, new music. So welcome back to the Imperfect Pod. It's your host, Luke West, um, where we discuss masculinity and manhood more intentionally and purposefully. On this episode, my guest is Rihanna Milne, and we talk about the 10 common traumas and why they matter, how men are affected by these traumas, and much, much more. Rihanna's mission is to help change the way the world loves by healing unconscious child and love trauma that impacts so many adults. And with research-based educational strategies, being a multi-multi-degree education uh, intellectual, uh, helping them to create the life they desire and to have the love relationships they deserve. Rihanna will mention at the end of the episode some of her books, uh, and I've linked those in the description of this episode as well. You can find them on Amazon. All those links are in the description. If you like the episode, make sure to press subscribe, follow, leave a review, and message me on Instagram at the Imperfect Pod or email me at Luke at the Imperfect Pod.com and join my Facebook group. Uh, I always want to hear from my listeners and continue the conversation. Now let's get into it. Welcome, Imperfect listeners. I am excited for this episode of uh, The Imperfect Pod, where we're going to talk about a lot of trauma that can happen in young men's lives. So my guest is Rihanna Milne, Life and Love Trauma Recovery Coach. So Rihanna, welcome to the show. Hi, Luke. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the first question that I always ask my guests is, who is one person, dead or alive, that you'd like to have over for dinner? And what would you cook for them? Um, I probably wouldn't cook. (laughs) I'd go out for dinner. I'd treat them to a nice dinner. Um, I really don't have anybody in mind. No, no life and love therapy coach or trauma coach that you look up to? No, I'm thinking more about someone who's fascinating. Uh, probably Antonio Banderas. He's my, uh, Hollywood star crush. Beautiful. <laughs> that yeah. would be it. That, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, but kind of before we get into the conversation, why don't you tell me a little bit more about uh, what you do and what the what are the some of the typical traumas that you see that happen in young men? Okay. Well, first of all, what I do, um, to give you a little background history, uh, in year 2000, I graduated in clinical and counseling psychology with a triple master's, graduated top of my class honors, summa cum laude. Um, the topic that I specialize in was not covered once in a triple master's program, which is shameful. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I came across it is because of my own story where I was involved with someone that uh, had childhood trauma and I needed to know what was causing him to act the way he acted. Um, Childhood trauma was not even named such during this time period when I went to my research. Um, Being a psychotherapist, I had seven therapist friends that had no idea what he had. They all knew him. We were all friends. And why he would risk everything. I mean, lost his job, his income, his new wife, respected the community, everything due to risky behavior. Mm. And unfortunately, he was caught at the school system and fired immediately. And um, it was a shock to me, the community, and my life became instantly ruined overnight. So, you know, how did I heal with no therapist to help me? Uh, the research, the research um, that went into my number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, break free of toxic relationships to have the love you deserve. 
and uh, the notebooks that I have for singles and couples. So love trauma happened to me and nobody had really the answers on this. And that's what sent me my way. Um, I became a global coach. Um, well, a certified life coach and love coach for singles and couples 2009 and 10. I went two years for coaching certification because it's a more educational, inspirational, and motivational model for healing. Um, therapy asks people a lot of questions and gives no advice. And I found people didn't like that style. They, they came to a therapist for answers. And mm. when I needed answers, nobody had any. And I found that very frustrating. So I decided to also become a coach at that time. I did a lot of work with people of trauma. So women from the prison system, kids and uh, women in drug and alcohol facilities because I'm an LCADC. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I worked in the school systems from grades kindergarten all the way through college as a trauma counselor. They called them a SAC, student assistance counselor. I worked in a hospital setting with kids grades ages five through 19. So I had a lot of, you know, singles and couples in my private practice. So I had a lot of experience. Common element was everyone had trauma. Well, when I did the research, the studies show 90% of us have at least one to three of the top 10 childhood traumas, even though most people don't even know what they are or have heard about this. And um, second, they say the other 10% are probably sociopathic and they admit nothing is wrong with them. It's always the mm. other person. So it's yeah. kind of like the standing joke that we all have a little something. Um, yeah. <laughs> the important thing is to understand where yours might have happened in your life and if they're causing any problems today in your life and love situation. So if you'd like, you asked about what are the top 10 most popular traumas, and I can go into that if you'd like. What, what are, before we go into that, what are the more popular ones in men? Because I like you talked about riskier behavior, and I've read books about how typically men are the riskier sex in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do seemingly structurally in society is that men I, – I don't know even know what it is, but there's just more desire, more – more pressure on us to take more risks, but I'm really interested in that. Okay. Um, well, there is no prejudice. It isn't more men than women. It's not straight over LGBTQ. Everyone, men and women are impacted by these top 10 traumas. So, um, it's just the severity levels. Um, and there's severity levels in women as well, but there are more sociopathic males and sociopaths usually rate, um, nine and 10 on the top 10 trauma list with severity levels nine and 10 psychopaths mm. are a sociopath that kills and they're usually, you know, tens across the board. But, you know, if I go in the top 10, I can then relate to what is showing up in the men. Okay. Sure. So the first one, and again, when I talk about this, I don't want any of your listeners to feel shame or blame their parents at this stage of life. When we're children, you can't help the environment that you're around. I don't want to say you're a victim, but you are someone of your circumstances. And as a child, you can't change anything, really. And, um, you know, you don't want to be looking at being angry at your mom or dad now because the research shows childhood trauma goes through at least three generations, if not more. So if you mm. had trauma, mom and dad had trauma. Okay. So mm. the first one is if your parent or caretaker had any addiction. Now, as a drug and alcohol and addictions therapist, I named 12 of them. 
There's drugs and alcohol. Sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater and hid the secret. Porn, addiction. Gambling, hoarding, eating, spending, gaming, which is primarily male. TV watching, social media addiction, and workaholism. So those are the 12. Um, of course, some are newer, like social media addiction or gaming addiction, mm -hmm. um, really depending what uh, era you grew up in. Okay, so the second one is verbal um, abuse of some kind. So you could have watched mom and dad yelling back and forth at each other, or when they were angry, they were yelling at you, or you didn't hear the words, I love you, or they became passive aggressive, meaning they didn't talk to you for hours or days because they were disappointed and angry in you. It also means if you didn't hear compliments or instead, like some men hear, you're amount to no good, or mm. I'm not sending you to college and wasting my money, um, things like that, which are slurs, um, you know, and not hearing the compliments on the other side, like I'm proud of you. Good job, son. You know, if you don't hear those kinds of messages, you have this underlying tone of not being good enough or not being worthy enough. So verbal is very big and that's mixed with number seven. And I'll go into that one soon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Trauma number three is emotional abuse or neglect. Trauma number four is abandonment. And this shows up in various ways. So there's two types of abandonment. There's fault and no-fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be if a parent happened to die young, if they went to go off and serve at war. And believe me, you know, I was working in the schools seeing these kids' parents go off to war, and they're like, are they going to make it alive? Are they going to come home? You know, they can't always communicate with that parent. So that's a big abandonment. No-fault, of course. Or if your parent happens to work a lot out of town. Now, my dad was FBI CIA agent. We didn't know where he was. He couldn't tell the family. So I do remember asking my mom, when's dad coming home? She goes, well, I don't know where he is. And mm -hmm. rightfully, she was disgusted with five kids and not knowing where her husband is and where he's coming home. So I grew up in that dynamic and hearing those messages. Okay, so it's not always what happens to you, but the messages you hear and, and the, the parents' reaction to their own lives and how they're living that. Um, and then uh, the fault abandonment would be if a parent chooses never to be in their child's life, which happens with a lot of fathers. They just kind of bail. Um, mm -hmm. If they are in the relationship of the child while they're with that woman. And then if they break up and go somewhere else, they kind of leave the child behind. That's a very severe abandonment for a child. And then the last one is, um, you know, even if they're in the home and the parent rarely, the male father rarely interacts with that child, with that son, that's a form of emotional abandonment as well. So let's say he's only caught up in his work or all day, doesn't talk to anyone. He's just watching football all day. You know, what could the son do? He could become a football player to get the adulation of the father that never pays any attention to him. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is why a lot of kids are in sports. I'm on the other side. I'm the coach and the therapist that hears, I don't even like football. I do it so that my dad will pay some attention to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these are some of the things that I hear in the kids. Okay. The next one is if you were adopted, part of foster care, or had to live in somebody else's home because your parents couldn't take care of you. Number seven is the most popular that people can relate to. That's personal trauma, which is if you were ever bullied or felt different. Mm 
So you might have been t skinny and tall and called the nerd in school or chubby and shorter and, and, you know, put down because you were an overweight child. You might have had asthma and you couldn't be in sports, so you felt different. So much of our culture, especially in America, is so sports-oriented when it comes to male. If you took to art and you liked art, then maybe you were called a sissy. You mm -hmm. know, if you came out and identified as a gay male, you know, years ago that would have been you know, horrendous in my generation to deal with. Luckily today, the younger folks are more open and loving to peers of all different types, you know? So um, a lot of men go through that identity crisis, you know, are they homosexual, heterosexual? Um, so anywhere, place where you felt different, not good enough, um, under personal trauma is a big one. And then mm -hmm. with verbal hearing those messages, right? So either bullying at school, like some people had the perfect home life, but school might've been horrible for them, right? So it's, it's during that childhood years, either inside or outside of the home. Trauma number eight is around siblings. So they might've had the sibling, let's say, the artistic boy might've had the superstar football player, older brother, who got all the attention and accolades from dad, and he felt never good enough to his brother, right? So a lot of men like this will grow up and say, I'll show him, you know, who I am, and they become very smart, and then they become very successful. So mm -hmm. that might be someone who turns into the doctor or financial manager to show that parent, see, I am good enough, I am smart. You know, this is where a lot of times um, success comes into play. And yet then during the love relationship, it's not very happy because they still haven't healed the love wounds, okay, from the initial family. Um, sibling trauma could also be that sibling bullied um, that child, or if they were born with a medical condition, um, the, the parents might have had to pay more attention to the other sibling. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. all around sibling. Trauma number nine has two traumas in it. Um, there's actually more than 10 traumas. So one had to come down from the later list just because it's so prevalent. Years ago, that one used to be community trauma. Now community trauma is the most prevalent trauma of the 10 around our globe due to COVID. So mm -hmm. children of all over the world are experiencing this scary thing that mom and dad could die. I can't go to school. I'm not allowed to have friends. What if I get sick? You know, all these messages about death every day from COVID. So community trauma is big. This is also our school shootings, our mass shootings in public. Um, it's, it's really rampant and it really highly impacts our children. Mm. Family trauma would be like our military kids moving every two to four years, meaning they have to go into new schools and make new friends. It could be uh, growing up in poverty with a lot of lack messages. We might lose the house. We don't have enough money. And I know a lot of those messages are going on today due mm -hmm. to COVID in families. And um, also growing up in a dangerous neighborhood where you were afraid, you know, you might be recruited by a gang or growing up and you might be beat up on the way to school every day. So there's a lot around family and community trauma. It could also be if a parent was incarcerated, um, that's under family trauma. And then the last one, number 10, is if your mom or dad had any mental health issues, 
uh, the two most difficult for kids to navigate is bipolar and borderline personality disorder. Borderline is, I best describe it, um, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And you never know what you're going to get. It's a high high mood disorder. Um, they will get upset and yell and scream at the littlest things and where most people wouldn't even get upset over something. So it's a very hard personality for a child to get on with. And then the other one is um, bipolar, and that's manic depressive. So a manic phase can come out as a gambling spree, watching porn all night long, uh, spending spree, um, addiction. Usually addiction comes in twos. So like gambling and alcoholism, porn and alcohol. You know, So there's usually two that tend to come together. Um, but uh, the manic phase is something around that. And then depression can come out as moodiness and anger, checking out emotionally. Um, and usually after a manic phase, that depression can come in due to shame, mm-hmm. guilt, losing money, uh, losing appointments because you were in your room with porn all day, you know, whatever the guilt or the shame comes after the manic phase. Mm-hmm. So those I, are the ten, top 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to hone in on a couple because you mentioned the, the abandonment one. And, yes. Um, that seems to be one, you know, I think it's the generation or my dad, I guess it would be my dad's generation, not really mine, has been often referred to as the fatherless generation. And like my Mm -hmm. generation would be the one raised by them. So when you have conversations with men, is that a really common, and even probably women too, because women don't have the father figures in their lives or that kind of mentorship. Is that a a big problem that you see? Yeah. Um, Well, I'm one of the baby boomers for the listeners. So Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit older than you. And yes, men were very disengaged with their children. Even my generation, when I was growing up children, they were not really involved. Well, mine was not involved. And I left Mm -hmm. that husband when my kids were four and five and became mother father. So, um, yeah, they, they just said, want to have the kids, the idea of those are my kids and they can brag on them when something good happens. Other than that, they don't seem to want to be bothered. This is very hard on children. If you're going to have children, men out there, be an active, equal partner an equal father, spend quality time with your kids, even if you're divorced. Um, so abandonment for men show up as love addiction They hold on. So let's say that the mother was absent. They hold on longer to a toxic female partner than they really want to. Consciously, they know like, wow, she treats me like crap. But unconsciously, they want her so bad. And the soul, the psyche goes with what's normal. We call it normalization. So if the mother was absent, then, you know, the soul wants to heal that. They they want that woman in their life no matter what. So that's someone that would hold on to someone toxic longer than uh, they should. Love addiction or codependency happens with abandonment uh, abandonment issues. So codependency is counting on your partner for everything. Can you do that for me? Will you do that? I don't know how to do it. And after a while, if it's a woman always doing for a man, then it's like the man becomes a child. And mm-hmm. I must tell you, men, once the man becomes a child to the woman, she's no longer sexually attracted. She's mm-hmm. lost the man. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, the men that are acting like babies, I, I can't do it, or I'm a victim, or blaming everyone else, and they're not responsible and hardworking men who, you know, uh, can support the family and do the right things by the wife and the children, the woman will become frustrated and say, you know, it's costing me more time and effort to do all of this because he's not stepping up. Right. So it's really important that you seek help if you feel you have traumas that are holding you back. Um, It leads to clinginess, a lot of anxiety, uh, childhood trauma, uh, reaching out and seeking attention if your female partner is not perfect. Um, This comes from addiction in the family, uh, problems around the mother. Um, if you did not have a good relationship with your mom, she might've been, like I said, alcoholic or moody. Um, and you're always seeking, you know, woman's attention, woman's favor. So some men that have this idealization of what a mom should have been and didn't get that, they want that from their wives or their female partner. And as soon Mm -hmm. as that wife or partner might disappoint them just by being normal, like a normal female, um, they're going to seek attention elsewhere. Yeah. And this is where the constant affairs come from. And the affairs are really the underlying issue of the man trying to prove he's a man mm. and trying That's- to prove, see, aren't I cute? Or see, she wants me. Um, this can come out if the woman is higher powered or a better salary than the guy. And the man might go after a woman of lower salary, let's say a waitress or a bartender or something like that, where he feels he has more power and clout. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of psychology going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really fascinating because you, you talked about like how a woman doesn't like a man who's who acts like a baby or a child or, or kind of plays victim mm-hmm. and they get tired of them, which is true because then they basically become a mother to their partner. That's right. And when she's the mother, she's not attracted as the sexual partner. Yeah. And, and and it's funny though, because that ties into a lot of what seems to be the current phrasing around masculinity is that men no longer have to be the providers, men no longer in like the financial case. But at the same time, you still want an emotionally strong man. You still want an a man who can take care of his own and provide in, in a lot of ways and, and hold up their end of the bargain, right? So Oh, definitely. Other than then why would the woman need him? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And this is the yeah. issue. I mean, in the seventies when I was growing up, I grew up watching Ozzy and Harriet and Leave It to Beaver, where the wife was a happy little housewife and man come through the door, she have his martini there. All she mm-hmm. did was take care of the house and cook and clean and watch the kids. In the 70s, as I yeah. was going off to, <laughs> yes, but now let's add on top of it. Now we're expected to go get your education. So I went to Penn State, get the kids, raise the kids, do the grocery shopping, do all the ironing, the cooking, the cleaning, mm-hmm. do all the house, do the salary, do the kids. And the women were finally saying, are you kidding me? And the men still were not stepping up. This mm-hmm. is what happened to the marriages in um, my generation, the woman just said, I'd rather be alone. I can handle the kids better than having another one. Um, so that was the problem. Um, it wasn't that women wanted to support the family. Yes. We wanted to be recognized for our talents and paid equally, which many women still are not. But, um, you know, and we don't have a man that's an equal partner in the household, but we're out raising, making a salary or an equal partner in parenting. This is where the problems come in. 
Now I'm watching my daughters who are millennials, 37 and 38. Now they just had birthdays. Um, and I see, you know, Preston, my daughter, Alexi and, and Preston just had twins in February and a little boy too, when the twins were born. So Preston is that equal partner. He mm-hmm. is, you know, going to the grocery market, helping with the food, helping with the babies, changing the diapers. Like my ex never changed a diaper, mm-hmm. you know? So the millennial men, I have to commend you guys out there. You're doing so much better than what we had to endure in our generation. And, you know, if you can be that equal partner um, and respect what the woman has to do, it's really hard to, because still, you know, with, with children, the, if the woman is a nursing mom, you know, still that, that child is bonding more with the mother due to that. But what can you do guys to be that equal involved partner? And I got to tell you, the children are really attached then to their fathers mm-hmm. because the fathers are equally there for the kids as much as the moms. So yeah. I think it's such an important mental health leap that the millennial men have done. And, um, you know, there's an expert on male psychology, Terry Real, that I've listened to for years. And he said, my generation was a mess. The men were just a mess. No wonder the women left. Um, and he said that the ones that are showing, you know, the best emotional maturity are the millennial men. And I had to agree hundred percent with that, with what I'm saying yeah. with my couples. So, yeah, I've had a, a couple people talk about Terry real and I've read a couple books where his name's brought up yeah. in terms of relationships and marriage. And, and I, I definitely want to check out more of his work because of that. Interestingly I, I, enough too, yeah. Luke, you know, when, with my generation, women that are out there dating, they're still coming across the Ozzy and Harriet man. Well, do you mm. cook? Will you cook seven days a, a night, a week for me? Will you do my laundry? And it's like, well, wait, I'm a businesswoman. What do you yeah. do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they're still trapped in that role. And women are just saying, no, thanks. You know, yeah. so they, they're wondering why they can't connect. Like, you know, I, I heard one woman had a man with a date. He was 70 because I just learned to make coffee. So one of my mm. first date questions is, do you cook? And she goes, are you kidding me? You know, so it, it's just like this. Wow, like yeah, <laughs> it, it is interesting. Like I, I was raised to do my own laundry since I was like there 10. you go. Yeah, like I've been doing my own laundry. Uh, I've always liked to cook for myself and not like the family. That's been my problem. One of my problems is like I, I still live with my parents, so I there's an expectation that when I cook, I cook for everyone, but normally yeah. I cook at like eight and I cook and I try to eat on my own schedule. Cause I'm, I'm pretty busy most days. And I that my mom will say, you know, I've been busy my whole life. Why can't you cook for me? <laughs> and I'm, yeah. So it, it, there is a, my mom has raised us young, her two sons, me and my brother to think about those things, to be Good. independent in those ways and, and help around the house. I'm not always the best, but I, there's things that I've, I'm, I would say I'm better than a lot of other young men my age. Um, and I also think it's funny because you were talking about how um, when fathers or I guess when sons go through abandonment issues from their mother, it can lead to staying in toxic relationships more. I see that a lot of, in my female friends who don't have a father. Correct. And I, I feel very sad for them because they're these wonderful young women yeah. with no father and they are, choose the worst guys all the time. Yeah, it is and sad. Like, and and oh. it's like I said, there really isn't that sexual bias, male, mm-hmm. female, like the same mental health issues show up in a man or a woman. 
men and women both have love addiction from abandonment issues, jealousy or control if they feel unworthy or not good enough, uh, impulsivity, um, risky choices, which can just, you know, which my ex did. He was yeah. doing risky choices, thinking he wouldn't get caught. Not only did it ruin him, but me and my career and our children and the community respect. Impulsivity is the worst one that if someone has no control over that, which is similar to addiction, they need something, they want something without thinking about the other or the partner, that one can bring you down the worst. Mm -hmm. um, anger, those that are moody, yelling and screaming at their partners, it's never appropriate to yell and scream at your partner. That's because you probably grew up with it and saw it normalized, but it is not you know, an emotionally healthy uh, situation. Yeah. Um, women, a lot of them have perfectionism around working with that difficult father. Like if they weren't that perfect little girl trying to do everything right. And then women come to me in relationships burn out because they're trying to do everything. And they're like, you know, I show so much love to my husband and my kids and they give me nothing back. Mm. So, you know, so women are, you know, becoming stronger with stronger boundaries and they're just not putting up with the nonsense anymore. They just don't want yeah. to. Um, yeah. And part of the issue, too, is like men are there Well, we want more sex. OK, well, let's talk about that issue. Yes. Um, you know, the problem is if you're not helping out as an equal partner, yes, the woman carrying three major responsibilities is going to be more exhausted. So what are mm -hmm. you doing to help out? And it's funny when the men do step up and help out, they're like, well, taking care of kids is hard. Whoa, I, I'm yeah. exhausted. You know, you you went to a retreat all day and I wanted to watch the kids for you and I am beat. You know, so they yeah. finally get it that watching kids is not an easy task. Um, yeah. But also the, it comes down to biology. Now, a lot of people don't know that the man's sexual center of the brain is seven times that of a woman's. Okay, they don't, most men don't know that. So they mm -hmm. expect their female partners to be as sexually driven as they are. And it's not realistic. That's not how women are made in our brains mm -hmm. or in our body. So what does a woman need to feel sexual? She needs to feel appreciated, loved, to know that she trusts you. Um, everyday niceties, how you talk to her is important. A woman first makes, uh, is sexually turned on by the brain and the five senses. So get her out from the house, get her something to eat. I'm not talking big, fancy, expensive dinners, drinks and appetizers is fine. Go where you mm -hmm. hear music, dance with her, tell her she looks pretty, dress nice for her, smell nice for her. Um, you know, the little niceties go a long way. And if she's at home, she's thinking, oh, I should switch the laundry or mm -hmm. I, I got to go clean the dishes. We had a nice meal, but mm, they're sitting there. You know, she's not thinking sex. She's going to think, well, if I don't do the dishes, who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. Then there's a little bit of resentment. So if she's cooking, cook with her, clean the table with her, help clean up the dishes, throw on some music, pour the wine, you know, I mean, be that equal partner. Um, and, you know, understand where that's coming from. A woman's cave woman brain is hardwired for safety and security. Mm. So if you aren't providing in some ways to her comfort in her life, then she's not going to feel very attracted to you. She can't help mm -hmm. it. She's hardwired for that. A male is hardwired for attraction. So I tell all the women I work with, 
look, just because you're married, don't let yourself go. Don't wear sweatsuits, all uh, sweatpants all day long. Dress mm-hmm. nice. Do your hair. Do your makeup. How did you look when he met you? Keep yourself up. Now, no one's going to be perfect with aging. That's natural. That happens. But, you know, do the best that you can. Men mm-hmm. are driven by the attraction factor because they were meant to procreate the race. They can't help it. Just like women can't help because she's a child bearer, she better feel safe and secure and provided for by the male. Yeah. And I, I think that sometimes we do miss out on that whole biological level in the conversation. And there's nothing wrong with having expectations of your partner to still sexually satisfy you as you get in more age and whatnot. And I think people can hear that. And it's like, I don't have to do these things for you because you should still love me. And it's like, well, yeah, they should still love you. But at the same time, love, my parents have always taught me that love is a, is a journey. Right. You have to, you have to choose to love every day basically. And, and you can, if you can fall into love, you can fall out of love, but love is a full-time job and uh, it, it takes a lot of work. And that sometimes that's work compromise that you don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You have to compromise. You have to think like a team. I tell my couples, it's you and me against the world. So you don't put anything more important, not your golf game, not the football game, not the kids. Your partner comes first, then the kids. Because too many couples, what they do is they're running kids around all these sports, all these activities. They never take time for their own dates. And then what happens by the time they're off to college, they fell out of love. They didn't spend any quality time together. So you have to put your partner first and then the the family should stay intact and happy. Your kids will be happy seeing. And, you know, you grow up saying Saturday nights are date night. Now, if you happen to have prom Saturday night, then we'll make our night Friday night. But the children learn according to the parents' boundaries and rules. This is what we do. Um, So it's very important. and, And sexuality never needs to go away. But the problem is in dating world for singles, and I'm hearing it all the way in my generation, and I work with people in their 20s or 30s, all age groups, and they're saying there's there's men that, you know, they just put all this pressure on sex. Well, it's a third date. We should be having sex. Well, who made mm-hmm. up that rule? Some man? Because women don't feel emotionally attached yet. Mm-hmm. They're not feeling safe enough yet. So why is the man putting all that pressure on? And then yeah. they're like, well, if the, we really like you, it's the fifth date. I mean, this is just bullshit, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so many women are hearing this out there in singles and dating world that they're just really getting disgusted. They feel like they're the next conquest. I'm like, didn't that go away at 16? Mm-hmm. So it's just that maturity level. And, you know, men, if you're going to date, look for the quality of a woman, look for the friendship. Look for someone you really like who, you know, excites you as a person, good communication, you know, again, go for the safety factor, you know, yes, say, let me make the reservation and, um, you know, let her meet you on the date, not really pick you up the first few dates because the woman doesn't really want the man to know where she lives if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out, you know, so always going for making her feel safer and more secure. Um, and yes, you know, being that equal partner, if you are together around the household, around the children, it would just make couples so much happier. Yes. No. And a lot of what you said resonates with me and what my parents have shown me. And I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in those realms because it's my society or my age group is very 
different, I think, with the way we approach dating and with online dating, it makes it challenging. And there's a lot more rushing into it, it seems, than there used to be. There's a lot more, I'm talking to multiple people at the same time. So you don't even really settle. You don't even have time. The grocery to, shopping yeah. list situation. Well, I'll have yeah. one of those, maybe one of those, maybe one of those. And yeah, it's a, and it's a real problem. Yeah. You know, there's online dating does have its benefits, especially during COVID. You know, if you write, men, please write a good profile. Don't say that you hunt and fish. We look at you and say, okay, well, that's nothing that interests me. Next. What would interest the woman? We don't really want the guy in the gym five to seven days a week. That becomes a bit of an addiction. What are you obsessed over your body? Stay fit, eat healthy. But do you do theater? Do do live sports, not just sitting and watching TV all weekend? You know, do enjoy the beach, dancing, uh, traveling. Like what do you enjoy that a woman can do with you? Well, um, ironically, I feel like I have like a really good profile and it doesn't get a lot of likes. I think mine's like way more interesting than most people's um, with my own humble brag there. But I find that even like a lot of women have the same copy paste profiles as other women. Like it's, I want someone sp- or I'm spontaneous. I love to travel. Like it, like women do love every, to travel. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's, just- it's like very, they're very basic because it's almost like everyone has the same profile and it's not really... Meat and potatoes. Well, you're looking for things in common. You know, I would say, you know, um, people that I, I have, you know, triple masters and a lot of licenses. So I really like intellect. That's the Mm -hmm. first thing I look for. How well written is the profile? You know, are they successful in life? That's important to me. Uh, Are they a good father? Do they have a good relationship with their kids? Mm -hmm. So we're looking for qualities it's not about working out at the gym, hunting, fishing, super I don't have sports. any of that stuff. No. Because no. women just feel, well, he's going to be off doing his sports and leaving me at home. No, thanks. And then that's yeah. not. But, you know, I've rewritten all my, my clients' profiles when they come to me, the singles, and they meet a totally different kind of person. Mm. So just men out there just know women are looking for activities you can do together. Are you fun but responsible? Um, intelligence level, how well do you write a profile and, um, what activities can you do with a woman? So she'll say, Oh, wow. He looks like he's fun. Yeah. You know, I, the- I do like the quality of women that I match with. So I have no complaints that I have fewer there you go. because the quality of women I talk to is very high. Good. Um, but I wanted to go back to one thing that you mentioned earlier. You talked about, um, abandonment and how a, uh, or how a son would react to no mother, but I'm curious how they would react to no father. Um, and what are some of the issues that that might bring about? Um, well, it depends how he was raised in that household. If he had to step up and be very responsible and help the mother out a lot, then he would tend to probably be responsible as a man because he was normalized into that kind of behavior. You know, and seeing the if the mother's working very hard and trying to cook and clean and him stepping up and being an equal uh, participant, a team player in that household to help out mom, then he's probably a great and responsible guy. You know, so um, the abandonment of father, um, it could lead to addiction. It could feel unworthy. It's It depends on the abandonment. You know, um, if the, the father makes promises, yeah, I'll see you on your birthday, then he doesn't show up. That's going to leave the child feeling unworthy. What, aren't I good enough that he comes for my birthday? If the father has an addiction, so instead of coming for the birthday, he's out drinking and gambling, 
then, you know, the son either can be totally one way usually or the other. He's Mm. totally against addictions or he could also pick up the addictive personality. So it really depends what else is going on around the abandonment. That's why when I see my clients, they do the childhood trauma checklist and five assessments for me. And then I put all those puzzle pieces together in a one hour meeting and I see what's going on in their life now. Um, The signs that childhood trauma is still unhealed is again, ongoing high anxiety, bouts of depression, um, not really excelling in your career, feeling stuck, um, I'll give you an example of some famous people, men, that could be interesting as far as childhood trauma. Um, If we're going on the sociopath, psychopath, uh, the high end of 10 traumas with severity levels 9 and 10, we're talking Hitler, Stallion, no empathy, um, master manipulators, don't care who they hurt, impulsive, Um, that's very high. Again, the the psychopath is the most dangerous because they kill. One level down is the sociopath. To describe them, they are someone without empathy. Uh, They use another for pleasure or profit. So using women for money, status, to get ahead in life, maybe, you know, taking on a high-powered, successful woman and playing around behind her back with no concern because Mm -hmm. he's only with her for the lifestyle. Okay, so just using another with no empathy. They'll never apologize. Or they'll blame everybody else. Um, under that is the narcissist, and there's different levels of narcissists. The ones that's most dangerous is the malignant narcissist. And then there's other narcissists that are self-involved, but a lot of that could be that they're helping other people. Now, an, an example of a narcissist is our one of our top political officials right now um, who, you know, uses everything in his power to look good, um, to feel worthy, to prove how good he is. Um, This is unhealed childhood trauma. I remember hearing on the TV, the newscaster said, do you think he has a mental illness? I'm shouting back. No, he has unhealed childhood trauma. His father was an alcoholic. His brother was a do-gooder who ended up being an alcoholic and dying of alcoholism, but he was not allowed to have playmates as a children every as a child. Every weekend he had to be working in his father's apartments, cleaning the bathrooms for the new tenants. Mm. And he used to say in his head, one day I'll have golden toilets. So he was driven by success to get out of that uh, toxic behavior from his father. Mm. Um, but it's very clearly evident. Um, rude, not wanting to follow protocols, rules, or behaviors, you know, so that is a personality type of, you know, a narcissist who has an eight or nine level of severity. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Quincy Jones is a beautiful example of someone that had childhood trauma. I I do watch a lot of biographies. He, uh, brilliant, film producer, music producer, writer, helped a lot of young people. Uh, But in his story, it comes out he was very, very poor. Both his parents were drug addicts. They lost their home. He was on the street. The grandmother reluctantly took him in. They were very poor. He said, if she caught a rat, we had dinner. That's Mm -hmm. how poor he was. So at 14, he found a job playing a musical instrument to help support the grandmother and the household there. So he worked very, very hard and he became very accomplished, but um, 
again, not having a mother figure in his life, he was not successful in love. And that's the end of the story said, oh, wow, Quincy, you've won all these awards and Grammys and this and that. Was there anything you weren't successful in? And he goes, yeah, I wasn't successful in love. Mm. And that is a prime example of someone who can be very successful in business, but suffers in love because he just never healed the childhood trauma piece. Steve Jobs is another interesting story. He was someone who was adopted twice. So he was given up by the birth mother in an orphanage, eventually adopted. They didn't keep him for a while. I think around two-ish, I might be wrong, they gave him back. Mm. So rejected again and then readopted. Um, so at very young, he became attached to things versus people. He didn't have that attachment that's so important upon birth. So, um, you know, he was always fascinated and excited by things and inventing the next thing. Um, he did not have a good relationship with the wife. She divorced him. He did not with the daughter. I think once he got sick and diagnosed, um, he did make efforts to have a, a better relationship with his daughter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, the lack of attachment in love, but he could become very successful in business because those are those that work through the messages. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough, um, you know, around abandonment, you see. Yeah. So, um, and he had those issues. Uh, very interesting to do biography research to see how these dynamics play out. Yeah. And I read Steve Jobs's um, book and it always, I always find it really fascinating how people look up to Steve Jobs as someone who's like whenever someone says leadership as, as a quality of Steve Jobs, I'm like, I don't think you knew anything about Steve Jobs if he said said he's a good leader. Um, <laughs> he he often was a tyrant people. around the office. Yeah. yeah. He inspired people through fear, not through um, intimidation, fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that's, and sure, it's, it's a cool quality to have to make people ramp up timelines, but not when you, you're really hurting their quality of life a lot of the time because he'd make people – he'd overwork them to their – but a lot of people that worked with Steve Jobs say, say really positive things about him, I guess, but I, I don't even like – Well, I when I he was really good, he was great. When he was bad, he was horrid. Yes. As okay. you said, bipolar disorder. Well, I don't want to diagnose him because I've never yeah. met him, but I mean <laughs> yeah. just from the reports and, and from what I hear, um, brilliant creative mind – uh, but again, the fascinating around things, things were safe. Things mm-hmm. couldn't hurt his feelings. So he did struggle when it came to interpersonal relationships, even on the job front. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was some bullying going on there and and yelling and screaming and not having command of his emotions. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's unhealed childhood trauma right there. Yeah. And then to kind of, I know you have to to run soon, but to kind of close up the conversation, um, there was three uh, other traumas um, or addictions, I think, ga- uh, porn, gaming, and gambling that you said, I think gaming you said specifically kind of targets men more. Um, I don't know the ratios. There usually are more young men uh, into gaming. Women have picked up the numbers, I think, but it used to be you know, primarily young men. Yeah. So when it comes to things like, and even what, what about gambling and porn? I would all like, just based off of my own conversations with other young guys, I'd assume that those ones also affect men more. 
Yes, definitely. Porn addiction. Um, yeah. A great book is by Patrick Carnes, um, Out of the Shadows and the Horrible Impact of Porn on a Woman, written by his wife, Stephanie Carnes, uh, Mending the Shattered Heart. So for anyone suffering through porn addiction, it is a terrible addiction. It is one of the leading reasons why men are experiencing ED in early years, in their 30s, which has been unheard of. Um, they're not able to relate to real women. The average everyday woman that still can be pretty, but she's not going to be perfect. She's not Barbie doll. She's not wanting to do all these sex acts that, you know, the women are the, in the films are being paid money to do, you know, it's mm -hmm. not that that's not the typical woman. So unfortunately when men are growing up watching porn, they think this is what women do. This is what women are. And the everyday woman is usually not that, you yeah. know, and the women that may be into those sexual acts also could be, you know, women that have been molested or raped or had their own sexual traumas um, that are doing some of the acts as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of um, psychological issues for though mm -hmm. that type of an addiction. Yeah. That they no, really I, need to get help. I, I have worked with some men with porn addictions. They lost respect of their kids, their jobs, their family, um, you know, and they are, and a lot of them were working at home. A lot of them are tech guys because they're always on their computers. Mm. So um, it's, it's really a bad addiction. If you think you're suffering from that, there are people with that certification um, sex addiction. I am not one of them, but you definitely should get someone as who's a specialist in that area. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a fascinating part of the conversation and one that I am going to delve into very purposefully on this podcast. Cause just with my own experiences with it and my, my like my, I, I have friends and I know people that experience it and it's so it's like one of those things that you make a lot of lighthearted fun of, but I think everyone knows deep down that it really is a negative effect on. Well, on the women the are just so turned off to you. If that's something mm -hmm. you need, then yeah. what's that saying to your woman? Like what? Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. So yeah. if you don't think I'm good enough for you or pretty enough that you have to go watch that, then they're going to turn off to you. Yeah. Or if you have to go watch that first to be with her, what's that saying about her? So why should she want to be involved with you? Yeah. Or she'll have to, or, or she feel like you'll put pressure on her to do those things. That's right. She's, right. So it, it's, there's no positive effect. There's no positive in a relationship for the most part. Although I do know people that watch it and see what they can try and experiment with, but they don't watch it for, they don't watch it for like sexual gratification. It's for education about different acts that they could do, I think. Mm -hmm. Which is if you're in that learning mode and you need it, yeah. you know, to learn. Um, some couples watch it together, and there are female directors that make uh, lighter porn for couples. Yes, yeah. You know, again, if it's mutually decided upon to do this on occasion, then that's fine. But if one of them always needs it, it's kind of an insult to the partner. Yeah, you yeah. know, so uh it has to be like anything in addiction. You know, if you have a drink occasionally during the week, you have a drink. If you're drinking every day, it's a problem. It's an addiction. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it if you're recognizing it and there's signs of, you know, you can look up easily on the Internet, the signs of porn addiction easily. 
um, figure it out and get help for it. And the sooner you do, the better off your life's going to be. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and uh, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh-huh. But before we go, um, I want to give you a few minutes to promote yourself, where people can find you sure. and, and how to reach out to you. Okay. Well, I do also have a podcast that's called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. I just finished show 100, so there's a lot of good content there. Thank you. You can find it on every platform and on YouTube as well, my Rihanna Milne channel. My website's rihannamilne.com. There you can take the childhood trauma and three other love tests under quizzes. There's a free ebook on how to have the love you deserve and do you have signs of childhood trauma and how to heal that. That's an excellent ebook, so make sure you get that. And then I have free chapter downloads. I think it's the first 60 pages of my number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. And the sister book is Live Beyond Your Dreams, From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success. So they are meant to go together. One is about the mindset for success in life, and the other is for love. And um, my Facebook is Coach Rihanna Milne, where I post all, I do a lot of free classes and uh, I'm out there globally. And if you think you need help and have childhood trauma signs, definitely sign up for that Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session, where I work privately with you for one hour on Skype, dive deep into the assessments and figure out which of the 10 traumas you're suffering from and what's showing up for you and why. And then we make a plan to... Uh, start that healing and transformation for you. Perfect. Sounds amazing. And uh, good luck at your class tonight. Thank you. Yeah, it's another free class to help people uh, for COVID, focusing on uh, gratitude, forgiveness, um, treating each other with kindness and love. There's a lot of anger out there in our world today around Mm -hmm. politics, uh, with the stress of COVID. So, um, yeah, occasionally I do free classes. So if you opt in for any of those free gifts, you'll be on my mailing list to get the notice of the next class that I do. Perfect. Sounds amazing. And, uh, thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's episode of The Imperfect Pod. I know we kind of talked about porn at the end there. I did actually record a full episode on porn addiction with someone and we talk a lot about trauma. So that's episode number 55 if you're interested in hearing more about that topic. And if you would like to find out more about today's guest, you can connect with her on Instagram, as she mentioned at the end of the episode. All those links to her socials are in the description. Also, she has her website, rihannamilm.com, where you can find out even more. Again, if you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world to me if you press the follow button, subscribe button, or left a review. If you would like to discuss today's episode again, feel free to message me on Instagram at The Imperfect Pod. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, shoot me an email at luke at theimperfectpod.com and join my Facebook group. So um, definitely hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to sharing with you next week's episode too. More on that Friday when I record Just the Tip. I'll talk a little bit more about next week's episode. I hope you had a lovely start to the new year and uh, I hope you haven't failed your New Year's resolutions yet. I know we're on day six, so hopefully you haven't. (laughs) All right, cheers.